Scripture reading is from Joshua 1, found on page 178 of your pew Bible. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the Euphrates, Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you, for then you will make your way prosperous, and you shall have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is wherever you go, with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers to the, of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For when these three days you are to pass over this Jordan and go into the, take possession of the land that the Lord God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord is your God, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land <coughs> that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them. And to the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they shall also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do. And whenever you send us, wherever, whenever you send us, excuse me, wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you. And he was with Moses. Wherever rebels against your commandment and wherever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. We have, followed, we have um, 
finished up a series working through Ephesians, and one of the reasons I wanted to look at Ephesians was it talked about who the church is, who we are um, as those who are filled with Christ and that grace overflowing to others, and wanted to follow that with um, a, a book that's kind of showing God's people in mission, doing what God has called them to do, entering into the land that God has given them as a way for us to reflect on um, not just who we are, but what, we're, what we do, um, um, the, the church in action. So I, I thought uh, in, in consultation with some elders that Joshua would, would be a good book to do this. There is Joshua. His name originally was Hosea, which means salvation. He was one of two remaining Israelites who had been born a slave in Egypt. He grew up in Egypt and witnessed the Exodus, the events in the psalm that we read, recounted. He had been through the time wandering in the wilderness, seeing God's faithfulness in providing manna, seeing God's faithfulness in providing water, seeing God's faithfulness in raising up Moses and, and Moses' leadership, Moses' giving of the law on Sinai. In fact, one of the um, few people who went partway up the mountain of Sinai to receive those commandments was Joshua himself. Joshua, a younger man at the time, led, commanded God's people as they battled the Amalekites. In that battle, maybe you remember the story where Moses is raising his hands, and as his hands were raised, uh, Israel would win. It was Joshua bearing the sword, guiding the people as they defeated the Amalekites. And what amazement it must have been for Joshua to see these, these former slaves, these green recruits, suddenly turned into an army, overthrowing the army of this nation that had come against them. And so Joshua is called Moses' assistant. That's what he's called here. At the end of the book, he himself will be called servant of the Lord, as Moses is referred to here. But he is assuming that role. He's assuming that position. There is Joshua, who comes down off the mountain that he's been halfway up with um, Moses receiving the law, who is the one who hears the noises of the people worshiping the golden calf and recognizes this is not the sound of battle. This is sound of, um, of celebration. He was one of 12 who was chosen to be a spy to go into the promised land that God was going to give to the people. You might remember he and Caleb went in they saw the land was good. They saw the bounty and, and how rich and fertile the land was. And as they came out and as the spies reported to the people, he and Caleb only were the ones who uh, would say, God can do this. The, the enemies are huge. They're, they're fortified. They have massive walls on the cities. But God is with us. And the rest were afraid. And they said, we're insignificant like grasshoppers compared to them. And because that, the people uh, were frightened to go in and refused to go in. It was, it was around this time that Hosea was renamed from salvation, Hosea, to Joshua. That name means God saves. The Greeks will translate it as Jesus. 
Yeshua is Jesus. His name becomes God saves. He watches the people foolishly go in after God has said they will not enter the rest. And he continues to wander in the wilderness, knowing it takes God to fight for them. But if God is fighting for them, it is handed to them. So before his death, before Moses' death, he commissions Joshua to be his successor, to lead the people into the land that Moses himself would only see but never set foot in. And so here they are, Joshua and Caleb, the only two who had been through all of this, who were going to enter in, and Joshua is going to lead them into the land that had been promised to Moses and to their fathers, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It's this promise that is finally being fulfilled. It's not enough that they have been taken out, but now they have to go in. They've, they've been removed from slavery, but that's not the fulfillment of God's promise. God's promise is not just to take you out of something, but to bring you into a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so God um, is going to send them. He's already said, you're inheriting this land. He said, I give you this land. Moses is, my servant is dead. Now arise, go into the Jordan, all the people into the land that I'm giving to them. Um, The promise is everywhere they go, God is handing over. Uh, the, The land that's described here is never fully inhabited by Israel. It's a huge, massive land that they only ever occupy a fraction of, even in their greatest strength. Sometimes God's people, our our biggest problem is not trusting God enough. The one who can do more than we can ask or imagine. We, we, We only want a part of what he's going to bless us with. But he gives them this massive land and and tells them to enter in. Other times he says they inherited it. He's already given it because it is so sure that it is theirs that they merely have to go in and take it. God's sovereignty works like this. He's planned it. He's given it. It's theirs. But they don't just sit there and say, oh, it's ours. They actually have to go in and work and fight and take it. They have to enter in and take and receive what God has given them. And so that is what they're facing. And you have to imagine Joshua, who himself had been in and seen the walls of those cities, who himself had seen the the armies that they're about to face, has to himself now be worried. He's trusting in God, but he knows what's facing them. He knows the battle that is ahead of them. And so God says, be strong and courageous. Repeatedly, this passage is, be strong and courageous. Be bold. Stand up. Take heart. Enter in what God's giving you, and whatever is against you, don't be frightened, don't be dismayed. Go in with boldness, because he has done this. He's already won this for us. He himself is going with you, and he is going to fight. Go in, be strong and courageous. He's going to cause the people to inherit the land. Be strong and courageous, uh, verse 7, uh, to, to follow God's law, to listen to the, the book of the law. Be strong and courageous because of God's presence. And so now having heard this, in verse 10, Joshua then commands the people with what God has told him. 
prepare yourself. Get up all your food, tells the officers. This word is not military officer. It's more like um, officials, kind of people um, helping organize this massive group of people and says, prepare yourself. We're about to enter in. We're about to cross a river that's two or three hundred yards long, maybe as far as a mile, a huge river, but God's with us. And we're going to go in against these huge walls and this big army, but, but God's with us. So he's, he's telling the people, get ready, and they begin to do so. And in the verse 12, it turns. He's told the people to get ready, and now he addresses a specific group. And you might be asking yourself, why is he you know, specifically looking at the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh? And I'm sure most of y'all, this, earlier this week, we're talking about the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. So for those of you who were, I know this is old stuff, for, for those who don't know, let me cover it for them. This was a group that as they were coming out of Egypt, as they were wandering, and before they crossed the Jordan River, they found land and they said, we have cattle, and this land is really, really good for cattle. How about we take the land on this side of the river? And Moses said, that sounds great. Take this land. This is good pasture land. You're going to settle here. But here's the thing. When we go in to fight the other people, you got to come with us. You can't just say, hey, we're good. We got what we want. The rest of you are on your own. And so he's making sure they're going to keep their commitment they made to Moses. So he goes to them and says, you know, you're, you, you leave your people here, but your warriors, the men need to stand up and come fight with us. Are you part of Israel? Or are you going to decide you're happy with where you are and just stay here and wish us well? And all the people say, we're going to keep our word. We are part of Israel. We are part of God's people, and we're going to risk ourselves to help you get your, your land. We've got our land, but we're going to help you get what's yours. And, and Joshua has to be relieved to know that he's not losing a significant portion of the warriors who will go in to fight with him. They promise allegiance, and then all of the people, they promise allegiance, and they bless him with the same thing. They're praying that you be obedient, and God be with you in the same way he was with Moses. God's people are not dependent on one leader. As great as that leader was, they're ultimately led by God. And the faithfulness of the leader who is going to be obedient to God's word and whom God is going to bless with his presence is going to lead them. And I want us to, to note a few things. The first is that they are to be obedient to God's word. The way we live out our call to serve Christ, to follow God, to be God's people, is to be obedient to his word. Um, this is in um, verse 7, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And there's a sense in which God's presence with us is his presence with us by his spirit speaking to us through his word. We know God's will because he's given us his will. He's revealed it to us in this book. So the idea is that he has to meditate on it, that they, they would have read aloud. 
So the idea is that they're reading it, and they're rereading it, and they're getting those words in because that shapes their imagination. It shapes the way they do things. It shapes their relationships and the way they talk with people. So we are to be people who meditate on God's word day and night. The psalmist says that we will be like a tree planted by a stream, yielding its fruit in season. The idea is that, that we know God by hearing his word to us, and being so into his word that it shapes us and forms us and matures us and enables us to be obedient and do what he wants us to do and enable to accomplish the things he wants us to accomplish because he's with us. That he wants us to know these words, to meditate on them, to, to shape our life according to him. That we don't just kind of decide we're going to do things our own way, but we do things in obedience to God's word. That, that is to be who we are as a people who are shaped by this book, who are depending on this book, who trust this book, that we live out this life individually, you know, as, 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 as just our people, ourselves, within our families, within our work, the way we do things, the way we, and the way we do things as a church. We don't just say, okay, here we have a message, but we're going to look to the world for everything else of how we do things, how we organize and how we um, work. We look to this book for all of those things because God is present in his word as he guides us and leads us to do things, which times I feel like a broken record, but it says night and day meditate on it, so we're to be broken records. We're just to repeat it. So how are you doing with meditating on God's word? Are you finding times to take God's word and and to read it, to ponder it? Are you in a group where you're discussing it and, and hearing it and, and kind of understanding it better as you're in dialogue with others? Are, are you spending time, you know, if, if, if you have a commute, to spend some time maybe listening to it and pondering in that ride? There's so many ways, but we're, we're just re- reinforced over and over that we are to be people who bombard ourselves constantly with Scripture because if we're not, we're being fed with the lies of the world. We're being fed with just things that make us anxious and worry. We're being fed with things that make us crave and desire things um, other than God. And, and we need His Word to continue to shape us. So they are to be constantly meditating. And He, as the leader, is especially to uh, meditate on it so that He can guide the people according to the Word God had given Moses. But they're also... Uh, it's not just that we read the book. You know, you can go home and read the Bible, and, and that makes you fully formed as a Christian. We, we're to be people who are nourished by this book, but it as fully as a community, as, as a people who are together in this. We, we see this the way he's going to those other tribes and saying, are you going to be satisfied with just being yourself and having what you want? Are you actually going to be part of this community? Are you going to be part of this nation and risk for your brothers and sisters. And isn't that a picture of who we are as believers, as we as a church, that we are called to serve and to love one another? And we're supposed to put value each other more than ourselves. That we follow Christ who came to serve, not to be served. You know, it, it can be very easy for us who are constantly asked about our opinion and our preferences. Um, Y'all constantly get the, the, the little um, 
questionnaires, maybe like any, almost anything you do now, you're immediately sent an email about your preferences of how well did you like this, how, how you know, um, did you prefer, did, it, did we meet your expectations, exceed your expectations. You're constantly being asked, what do you want? What do you like? Which do you like more? Do you like chunky spaghetti sauce? Do you like homestyle spaghetti sauce? I mean, go at Walmart, look at the multitude of spaghetti sauces. That is evidence we are a nation of consumers who think everything has to be exactly the way we want it. I didn't know spaghetti sauce could be that many ways, but I mean, there's garden stuff. You could just list them out. And all of that is because what I want, what I want, what is to my taste, what is to my preference has been bombarded in me since I was an infant. And it's been implanted into you since you were an infant. So to come into church... And to get rid of that is really difficult. We have to think really hard of what it means to say, I really don't like this hymn, but my brothers or sisters do, so I'm going to sing it. It's really hard for us to think, you know, this event that we're doing, I have no interest in. I don't even like crawfish. But my brothers and sisters are enjoying it. Maybe I'm there because they need it. Maybe I'm can say, and you've probably heard people say, I, I stopped going to this church because I wasn't getting much out of it. It, it can be very possible that you know, people aren't getting as much, but maybe that means it's for you to give. It's an opportunity for you to serve. If, if there's less that you're getting, maybe you're the strong who needs to be giving to others. In other words, we, we very much could be like this other tribe to be tempted to say, I'm going to be here. I've got what I want. Uh, my kids have gone through the youth program. I, I come in and I, I get my Sunday morning thing over with. Or we can say, no, I'm, I'm committed to being here for you. And if a brother's hurting, I'm going to be there and serve. If, if a sister's rejoicing, I'm going to celebrate with her. If, if someone is struggling, I'm going to see how I can serve them. If, if someone needs encouragement, I'm going to be there. I might not be able to do anything, but my presence shows I care and that I'm part of this family. And so to be in the church, to be in Israel, is not to just say, I'm going to stay on this side of the river. I'm not going to take any more risk because I got what I want. It's to go in and to serve, to fight with one another, to love one another, to serve one another. So I encourage you, are, are you looking at your relationship with other brothers and sisters as primarily what you get out of it? And if you're satisfied, are you looking, are you looking for opportunities to serve people? Are, are you looking around at someone who might not have a connection or might um, be, um, you know, need to, to, to make contact and need to be brought in? Are you looking for those to serve, to, to reach out to? Finally, is the promise of how all of this is done. There's the, the combination here. Be strong and courageous because I am with you. There is so much to be scared of. I, I understand that when you watch a video on YouTube, the algorithm starts showing you more videos like that. So... Mm, no, I'm not going to tell you that. It might make you worry what YouTube videos I'm watching. Let me just say, <laughs> there's lots of things that can start make you scared. As we're hearing about things in the Ukraine, 
as we're hearing about um, violence, as we hear about shortages coming, as we hear about um, division, as, as we... There's all sorts of things can make us nervous. We're, we're constantly seeing talking heads on TV demonizing one side of the aisle or the other politically. So that's not long, no longer we're disagreeing. It's that our democracy is at stake over every election. There's a distrust and, and there's a fear. And it's, it's constantly in us. And there's all much, so much that we can be anxious about. Um, I'm... I imagine I'm going to be praying a lot more for California over the next six weeks than I have ever in my life because, you know, as a parent, you're naturally going to be kind of anxious. But Christians, we are not to be people who live by fear. We are not to be dismayed. We are not to be fearful. We are to look at the news and laugh because the one in heaven is over all things. He is sovereign. We are commanded, be strong and courageous. You are called to be brave. You are called to look at the news and have compassion where compassion is needed, to to care for where there can be places to serve, but to never lose hope that God is in control and that he has promised that he is with his church and the doors of hell will not prevail against us that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and everyone who sits on some sort of throne or some place where they think they are in power and they are controlling things will bend their knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and serve him. And if you serve him, trust that he is in control and that all things are working together for your salvation and for his good, for his glory and the bringing of his kingdom. And ignore what the pundits are saying. You can't do anything about it anyway. The truth is, the one who is in heaven derides, laughs at them and holds them in derision because he is king. And so we take comfort in that, and we take comfort in this king who is over all things and has told you to be brave, has told you to be brave and courageous because he has promised to be with you. The one who brings them through the Red Sea who provides for them in the wilderness, the one who leads them through all these things and even gives his son to die, has promised to be with them, to be with them when things are going well and it's a beautiful day like today, and to be with them when they're in darkness in the valley of death, to be with us in all things. And, and we as on this side and thinking of another Yeshua, as we're thinking of Jesus, we have to be hearing his same command to the disciples to go into the world, to make disciples, baptizing and teaching them to obey all that he has commanded, to to meditate on his word. And the same promise that Joshua has received, Jesus has given to us his church. I'm with you even till the end of the age. Christ who was with Joshua, Christ who was with Moses, Christ is with us here. And he's with us as we go about doing what he's called us to do, as we serve others in his name, as we share his gospel with others, as we build one another up in encouragement and love, we do so because he is present and he is with us now. Would you please stand and let us state what we believe through the words of the Apostles' Creed.